Thanks for joining the Church at Nolensville Sermon Podcast. We exist to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime, anywhere, with anybody. So we're, we're thrilled. We're thrilled about what God is getting ready to do in and through our church. And we believe, man, that every person in Nolensville and surrounding towns and neighbors, everyone should have the opportunity to hear the gospel. We believe everybody should have the opportunity to hear about the joy that is in Jesus Christ. And this time of year, people are 70 plus percent likely to respond to an invitation from you to church. And so I just want you to help right now with that. Why don't you get your phones out with me? Go ahead and get your phone. I know you got them. Some of y'all are on Facebook right now. Go ahead and get your phone out. Here's what I want you to do. We, we want to show Nolansville that we're excited about what Jesus is going to do. So go to the church at Nolansville's Facebook page right now, and our event is pinned to the top. We want you to share it. Share it to your friends. Share it into your neighborhood page. Share it on Nolansville 411. Do that now. It's not about how many people can we put into a room. It's about the gospel being worthy and Jesus being big enough to save anyone and everyone. And we want everyone to be there because the gospel is going to be preached. And we want the town of Nolensville to shake where people go, I can't believe there's a group of people so excited about their king and their church that they're telling everybody about it. We're praying for over a hundred shares today. Share that today. There'll be some other things coming up we want you to do. Second, now that you got your phones out, help us with this. Let's go to the next slide. We have three Christmas Eve services, and we're trying to plan on how to prepare. We're getting overflow ready. We're prepared for anyone and everyone that wants to come. If you have a chance right now, I want you to text this number. You're not going to all of a sudden get spammed from us. We're not going to do anything like that. But text to the number 615-930-0081. If you're going to go to the 2 o'clock service, just text the number 1. That way we can know if you'll do that today. If you're going to go to the 3.30 p.m., text the number 2. If you're going to go to the 5 p.m. service, text the number three. This helps us be prepared for what we believe is going to be one of the most incredible uh, days in the life of our church. So if you'll do that today and just text one. If you're not coming to any of them, just don't text us because we don't want to know because you should be there. But we're incredibly excited about what the Lord is doing. Amen. There's one last thing that we're incredibly excited about, and I want to introduce you personally to our brand new children's minister, Ellen Joyner. Y'all give her and her family a hand as they're coming up here. God has been providing not only in facilities and in ways, but he's also providing in staff. Ellen and her husband, Greg, and their two kids, Josie and Riser, uh, together. Hey, so great to see y'all. Y'all welcome them again. Love this couple. Ellen and Greg together have about 15 years ministry experience and students and kids ministry. Man, they love Jesus. They love the local church. They love your kids. And Ellen just came on as our part-time children's minister. So when y'all hear the kids screaming over there in the middle of my sermon, it's her fault. They're screaming because they have so much fun and they're so excited to be at church. And wouldn't you rather have it that way? Yes. And so we love that God has called Ellen here. We love that 
God has called her family. Greg supports her. Her kids love being here. We wanted you to put a name to the face of the person that's going to be leading our kindergarten through fifth grade ministry. I'm going to pray for them, and then we'll roll the video. Jesus, thank you that you've brought the joiners here. Thank you that you've called and set apart Ellen to be a part of our church in a formal way. Thank you for her passion for kids and for the gospel and for making it fun and making it faith-centered and gospel-centered. God, I pray you would continue to use her and use this family to rise up new kids and new legacies of faith and new oaks of righteousness. So God, bless them as they lead. Bless Ellen as she leads our kids' ministry in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank them one more time. Thank y'all. Sorry, we didn't have a microphone ready. Come Lord Jesus is our Advent series. If you're new to church, we're so glad you're here. Advent is a word that means coming or anticipation. And the Christmas season, we typically celebrate the coming of Jesus the first time when he came as a baby. And the reality is, baby Jesus, that image still exists in American Christian subculture. It's sort of this non-threatening mascot for the Christmas holiday. The problem is, the Bible doesn't portray Jesus that way. Baby, yes. Suffering servant, yes. But ultimately, he's a returning king of kings who's right now seated at the right hand of the Father. And this Advent season, what we've been doing is we've been looking at Jesus through the lens of his second coming, his reigning king, and and letting that shape our hearts. Because ultimately, He's not going to be a baby who's cooing in a cradle beneath us. He's the king that we all kneel before. And so we're looking at that through the lens of his second coming. And I don't know about you, but I don't like spoiler alerts. Show of hands, anyone like spoiler alerts? Yeah, I don't like them. I'm always the last to see a movie. And when I'm at lunch with friends or in the office and they start talking about the latest movie and they start getting to the plot, I'm like, shut Don't say it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. I want to wait and find out for myself. I don't want to have it ruined. I don't want you telling me if you like it. I don't want you telling me if you don't like it. And I certainly don't want you telling me there was a cliffhanger and go see it. I want to find out on my own. Well, well, God didn't didn't leave us with any cliffhanger where we don't know how it ends. God, God gave us his word and he said, hey, I keep all my promises. And I want to tell you how it ends. And so if you, if you don't want to know how all this ends... If you don't want to know how the last chapter is written, then just cover yours. Go back to sleep. Get comfortable. But, but if you want to know how God works all things out, then I want you to stand with me as we read out of the book of Revelation. It's going to be in chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. I read out of the CSB here. We invite you to bring a copy of the Word of God for yourself every week. I want you to know that, hey, these are not my words, this is not my opinions, but we come to declare to you the word of God. And so let's find out how all of this ends, Revelation 19. This is right before the great battle of Armageddon. This is 
right after celebration in heaven. This is Jesus coming to make all things right and new. Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw, this is John speaking, heaven opened, and there was a white horse, and its rider is called Faithful and True. And he judges and makes war with justice. And his eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. And he had a name written that no one knows except himself. And he wore a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing white, pure white linen. And a sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. And he will rule them with an iron rod. And he will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. And he had as a name written on his robe and on his thigh. King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw heaven opened. And there was a white horse, and its rider was called Faithful and True. God, we long for the day. We long for the day that you will fulfill your promises. And we, your people, we live now in a broken world where there is pain and hurt and suffering, and we long for you to step out of heaven and make things right. We anticipate God being in the armies behind you. And I pray that no one here would ever be in the armies in front of you. We worship and adore your name. We long for your return. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Amen. Jesus came as a baby and he grew up. He was crucified and he was killed, but he rose again. And through his death, burial, and resurrection... He rescued the world from sin, and so we can be made right with God again through faith in Jesus Christ. But the reality is this world is still broken. You feel it, don't you? Pain, death, weeping, disease, war, rumors of war. The world is still broken. God has not yet fully restored all things yet. It's because this this world's not our home, and so we still have issues. It still just doesn't feel right. John gets it. The author of this book, the book of Revelation, John, he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's the one that Jesus trusted the care of his mother to. And right now, he's exiled onto the Isle of Patmos, which is a big rock in the Aegean Sea, as a prisoner because he wouldn't stop preaching about Jesus. He had watched all of the other disciples. He's the last remaining disciple who hadn't been martyred yet. He knows a little bit about pain and suffering, and he knows that the world isn't quite right yet, and he's waiting. He's longing for God's return, and he's sitting on the Isle of Patmos, and God calls him up into heaven to say, John, I want you to see the way things will be, not the way things might be or the way things could be, the way things will be. And two weeks ago, we looked at John staring at the throne room of God. And last week, we looked at John staring at the worship of Jesus. And this week, we see John getting a vision from God about how it all ends. Jesus coming back victorious, riding on a white horse, vanquishing all of the enemies with the church and his people behind them, riding in victorious. But we aren't there yet. We live in a broken world, and for the last 2,000 years, people have said, hey, where's your God? Where's your God when when people suffer? 
Where's your God when the cancer diagnosis comes in? Where's your God when the pastor is put in prison? Where's your God when this happened? Where's your God when this and this and this? Where's your God? You guys are deceived and clearly disappointed. Where is your God? Where is he? And John gets a vision. He says, here he is. Here's our God. And this isn't meek and mild Jesus. This isn't Jesus on a flannel board. This isn't Jesus in most of the pictures that you see where he's smiling, you know, backlit by the sun, sheep on his lap, holding his hand. Why does he hold his hand like this all the time? You know, product in his hair. This, this isn't gentle, meek, and mild Jesus. This is kick booty Jesus. This is sovereign king Jesus. This is righteous ruler Jesus. This is holds the world together by the words of his mouth Jesus. This is conqueror of the grave Jesus. And the enemy wanted him. And now the enemy has him in Revelation 19. I just want to look back for a minute. Look, look how your king is described, church. I know in this world our faith can feel faint. And I know in this world that God can seem distant. But our God is both a promise maker and a promise keeper. And Revelation 19 is a promise that this day is coming. And I just want to soak for a moment in how Jesus is described. And I've told you that, yes, there is a lot of prophecy in the book of Revelation. But this book is primarily about who Jesus is. Not who 666 is. Not who the Antichrist or the beast is. John spends way more time telling us about Jesus than he does about anything else. And I just want to look at these verses, and I want you to get a picture of your king in your mind. So look back, look back at verse 11. Look back. Then John said, I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse, and its rider is called what? What's the word, church? Faithful and true, and he judges and makes war. I love how he's described. He's described as faithful faithful and he is he is faithful he came and did what he said he was going to do he was crucified buried but rose again he's in heaven reigning and ruling but because he's faithful he's coming back there's never been one promise that God has broken to his church or his people he is faithful but he's also true I didn't become a follower of Jesus till I was 19 I didn't know what was God was like I didn't know if he was angry or mean or grumpy or kind. And someone said, if you, you want to know what's true about God, look at the life of Jesus. If the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus lived as God in human flesh to show us what God is like. He's true He's faithful and he's true. And that's how John describes this warrior king coming on a white horse as faithful and true. And then look at verse 12. And his eyes were like a fiery flame. This isn't just poetic imagery. This is what John sees as Christ is returning. And many crowns were on his head. And look at this. He had a name written that no one knows 
except himself. He has a name written that no one knows. Apparently only he and the Father know this name that is written on him. No one knows but him. Reminds me a little bit about Moses. Y'all remember Moses? Charleston Heston? Okay. He left Egypt and ends up seeing this bush that was on fire and burning but was never yet fully consumed. And he goes to investigate it and the voice of God calls him over. Moses, Moses. And he calls him to go back and to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses like, I can't talk. I don't have a lot to say. I'm really stumbly with my words. What do I do? In fact, who do I tell them sent me? And God says, hey, you tell them I am who I am sent you. Tell them I am sent you. Moses, tell them God sent you. We, we, we don't know what this name is. Is it I am? We, we don't know. No one can call on this name because we don't know what this name is. I don't know if we ever get to know what this name is. But even if we don't ever know what this name is, we've been given the greatest gift of all, which is to know the name Jesus. We know the name Emmanuel. We know the name God with us, Savior, Rescuer, Redeemer, and you and I can call on that name now. And God says, seek me while you can find me. Knock and the door will be open. The name Jesus is a gift to you. So if you're new to church, the one thing I want you to hear is call on the name Jesus. Because he says, if you call, he hears. Well, what about my story? What about my background? What about my brokenness? If you call, he hears. The name Jesus is a gift to us. Look at verse 13. And he wore a robe dipped in what? What's it dipped in? Blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And there's a lot of debate and some discussion about this robe. And there's lots of opinion about the robe. And you know, in Revelation, there's some hints. It says that the saints survived by being covered in the blood of Jesus. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. We overcame by the power of the blood of Jesus. In fact, Jesus was called worthy because he shed his blood. And so Jesus is wearing a robe that's been dipped in blood. The question is, whose blood is it? Some would suggest it's the saints. They've been martyred. They paid the ultimate price. And Jesus is now representing his victory and their victory over death by showing their shed blood victorious. Great picture. Let me, let me offer you another suggestion. There's another picture that I love. It's Jesus' robe and, and no one else's. And, and I think it's here's his blood and here's why. I think he's wearing his robe with his blood because, you know, the battle was won long before the battle of Revelation 19 was ever fought because the enemy already came for Jesus and he came for Jesus with a cross and a crown of thorns. And the first time Jesus came, he came as a baby and ended up being hated and falsely accused and beaten and had his robe yanked off and had his beard plucked out and he had everything about him just absolutely ridiculed and ultimately crucified. They took a spear and ran it into his side and killed him and blood poured out. And he came as a suffering servant to die. But this picture in Revelation 19 is not of a suffering servant. It's of a returning warrior king who's 
wearing his robe, headed for the beast. And I think he's headed there going, hey, you know when you came after me the last time and people thought it was over and the world went dark because my blood was spilled out? Well, here's my blood and I'm wearing it as your victorious king coming after you. And I conquered death and I'm about to conquer you. You thought I lost, but I'm here and in a moment it's all going to be over because you're now defeated. Jesus is coming back as the king we all long for. Look at verse 14. And then the armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. That's us. That's the church. That's the followers of Jesus riding into battle following Jesus. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, hey, that's you. I look at the neighbor you didn't want to talk to and say, hey, that's you too. <laughs> They're wearing, what are they wearing? Look, look back at verse 14. What are they wearing? White linens. Now, I've never been in the military, but I have watched TV. And I've seen a lot of people dressed for combat, but linen... White linen is never on the list. This is white, clean linen that's been saved for a day of celebration. When I was a kid growing up, we had play clothes and we had nice clothes. And if I wore my nice clothes outside the play clothes, I got beaten clothes. <laughs> don't wear those shoes, don't wear that shirt, don't wear those pants, that's your school clothes, put your play clothes on. You know what I'm talking about? Th- these are the nice clothes. And Paul, in fact, tells us about our battle gear. He says, there's a sword of the spirit, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, belt of truth. Get geared up for battle. Get ready for a fight. But on this day, we don't fight. On that day, we're not there to fight, church. Do you really think Jesus needs us? Wait, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna go two or three rounds and I'm gonna tap out and you come in. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need me to fight this fight. We're not there to fight. Then why are we there? Why are we riding behind Jesus on the day of the most epic battle in the history of the cosmos? Why are you there? You're there to worship. You're there to say, look at King Jesus. That our voices are lifted and the power of our testimony declares how great our king is. You're not there to fight. You're there to worship because Jesus, he shows up and it's over. Keep reading into chapter 20. He speaks and it's done. The enemies are gathered. The best the enemy has they offer. The most evil, vile, corrupt plan that could have ever been put together to destroy all that's good is waiting on Jesus. And they encounter Jesus and in a moment, done and so you need to know that the dualism that hollywood shows you just isn't true it's not oh hey how how many troops does god have and how many troops does satan have and who's gonna win i hope this thing ends up well that's just not true that may be played out in the movies like that but it's not played out in the bible like that and we should get our source of truth from the bible and nowhere else Satan and demons may be allowed freedom now, but they didn't take it by force. They were given it for a season, but Jesus is about to take it back. The battle of Armageddon 
in the Bible is way different than it's portrayed anywhere else. The enemies of God are gathered into this valley and they're waiting for Jesus to show up and he shows up and he's not baby Jesus, but he's coming out of the sky on a white horse with eyes of fire and a sword coming out of his mouth and a name written on his thighs and he shows up and it's the quickest battle in history. And I love this picture of Jesus. And I love this picture of Jesus because I surrendered my life to follow the king of the universe. I didn't surrender my life to follow a genie. Grant me some wishes. Make my life better. Make my life easy. Do this for me. I didn't didn't sign up for that. I signed up to follow a king. I signed up to give my life away for a king. And I love this picture of Jesus. It's not a picture of some big guy upstairs who exists to grant us our wishes. It's a picture of King Jesus who exists so that we might bow and give him glory. And I love this picture of this battle. And if you watch movies, I, lo- I love to watch movies, stuff blowing up, just I love action movies. And every time I watch one of those movies, the good guy always gets in a bad way right towards the end. You know? It's kind of that, what's going to happen? Is he going to die? Are they going to make it? Is he the, what's going on? There's always an epic chase scene. Sometimes it's wait till season two to find out. But there's always a moment where you don't know exactly what. I mean, you believe he's a good guy. He's not going to die. You you believe it, but you watch because you're not quite sure. There's not even a hint of that in here. There is no hint of which way is this going to go. There is no hint of who's going to win. There's no hint of who the real authority is. Jesus shows up. And it's done. It happens all throughout scripture. Jesus has absolute authority. You go back to Mark 5, you can see another instance where Jesus steps out of the boat, gets on land, and he interacts with a man who is demon-possessed. And the man whose demons-possessed sees Jesus coming out, and he runs towards Jesus and falls on his feet. And Jesus says, hey, what is your name? And the demons speak, and they say, well, we are legion because we are many. And then catch what they say next. They say, Jesus, did you come here to destroy us? There was a legion of demons inside this man, and they encountered Jesus, and they don't go, all right, let's do this thousand against one they fall on their face and say did you come to destroy us please don't the demons in the new testament got it right they fell on their face they knew they were overmatched by the king of the universe they knew who jesus was in the presence of god they knew they didn't stand a chance they say holy one of god have you come here to destroy us they get it right But sadly, the vast majority of mankind completely miss who Jesus is. They've still got him in a manger somewhere, and they don't see him as returning king. The demons fall on their face and say, are you here to destroy us? They know who he is. I want us to get it right, not just the demons. And Jesus walked among mankind, and they spit on him, and they hated him. And the majority missed it but he still went to a cross and died for them and he's still the returning king coming back for us and it's our mission now to tell anyone and everywhere about jesus our mission statement is to engage the whole person with the whole gospel anywhere anytime with anybody 
so that they know who this Jesus is. And this, this battle, and it's the most anticlimactic battle you could ever think of. Jesus shows up and says, hey, you, big guy in the back over here, bring your little loud mouth prophet with him. Chained up, gone. We're showing you this picture because we hope that the word of God would invoke worship in your heart, joy in your heart. This world hurts. And there are things, guys, that just aren't right. My dad should still be here. We shouldn't be celebrating Christmas without him. There shouldn't be pain and suffering and loss. But for those of us who follow Jesus, we have joy like we talked about earlier because we know the true picture of the king that we follow. And what you believe about Jesus really does matter. What you believe to be true really does matter. And for so many people, they have, they have found the religious experience, but they haven't entered into a relationship with Jesus. And we love you enough to say, hey, there's something completely different than following rules and checks, checking boxes and putting your faith in Jesus. And we're going to sing again in a minute, but we want to invite you to a time of reflection, a time of worship in your own heart. Because what we long for and what we pray for is that not only everybody in this room and everybody that we can know or imagine, we long for them to be following Jesus into battle, not waiting for him in defeat. And we don't say those things to scare anybody. We say them because that's what Jesus says is true. And the name of Jesus is available to everyone. Call on me and I'll answer. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. And sometimes, to be honest, my propensity is to be likable, make you laugh, make you enjoy your experience. And we want that to be true. Church should be fun. Amen? I mean, the tomb is empty. We of all people should celebrate. But more than anything, I want you to know and follow Jesus. I want you to know and follow Jesus now because you won't be following Jesus into that battle if you're not following Jesus now. So my point's not to scare you. My point is to invite you to worship the king with us. I want to give you a chance, just a moment of reflection, bow our heads, close our eyes. And if you're not a follower of Jesus in this moment, talk to us. What would keep you from following Jesus? We want you today to let us know if you want to have that conversation. If you want to decide to follow Jesus, do it today. Enter into a conversation with us. You have a worship guide. And you can put on there, I want to follow Jesus. And we will connect with you. We're not going to come by your house unannounced. We're not going to embarrass you. We're going to love and serve you and walk with you. Be a friend. Fill that card out. Drop it in the bucket. Come by next steps. But tell someone, don't leave here today without the most important decision of your life being made. Do that today. But if you are a follower of Jesus, before we sing, I want you to open your heart, open your life. I 
I like to open my hands up because it's kind of a sign to Jesus that I'm, I'm in a posture of receiving. And so I'm, I'm asking you in the next 30 seconds is to ask God to make space in your life to show you where he is worthy and true. Where you're so focused on this world that you forget the returning king is coming. That you've shed so many tears that you forget that the victorious king is coming. That you've been hurt so many times that you forget conquering king is coming to make things right. And so just lift your hands and receive. Lord, we bow before you. We bow before your throne. Worship and wonder. Move among us while we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.